Welcome to ATRA, Voices from the Field. This sustainable agriculture podcast is presented by the National Center for Appropriate Technology with support from USDA Rural Business Cooperative. Terrapin Farm's been here for 20 years. This is our, we had our 20th anniversary open house this year. And thank you. And uh, sometimes kind of overwhelmed. We'll start that. This is a working farm. So you're not going to see landscaped areas. If something is growing out here in the yard, it's because it's growing. It's not because I put it there. <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't do sod. We don't do fancy landscaping. We do food production. I believe, I grew up in the generation of food for people, not for profit. And um, unfortunately, the profit needs to come in there somewhere. And we do manage to keep the wolves at bay. Um, so I've been farming 38 years. And the last probably 40 years, but then you'd know how old I was. In the last 20, I've been certified organic and I've been on this farm. Prior to this farm, I farmed on the other side of town and um, I did all my work with Belgian horses and did the whole milk cows, keep the chickens, diversified homestead type thing. And then when I moved over here, um, land was too dear and I couldn't afford enough land for horses. So I switched to tractors, and um, and it's worked. Um, and now, since I moved here, when I moved here is when we started certifying. First year we were able to certify at that time, and uh, Margaret Scholes came out, the grandma of inspectors, and uh, she said, "You got weeds. I'm not worried." <laughs> but um, it was great. I loved it. Started small. We have a lot of pressure here from deer. There is an eight-foot game fence totally surrounding this farm. And without it, there would be no point in growing anything. Um, started out with just this field here that we call a field, fenced. And I had a contract for potatoes. And potatoes, quote, deer don't eat. Um, and potatoes, uh, potatoes compete well with quackgrass, which was what this was, was a quackgrass field when I when I moved here. Um, but nobody told the deer they weren't supposed to eat the potatoes, so at any rate, it was an interesting crop. It was an organic contract with Ocean Organics, yep, in California. Um, had a, and then the following year we did contract with them for spaghetti squash and we had a hailstorm. So all my spaghetti squash was, was wonderful, but um, it had interesting shape to it because of the stage it was at when the hailstorm came. So, and at that point I realized I really don't want to do contract growing like that. Um, seeds or something is one thing, but I, I want to be more diversified and I want my food to stay here. Some of my potatoes went to California and came back. I don't want that to happen. That's not why I'm an organic farmer. So that was a lot, I just did it for a couple of years, but I needed the, the, the definite financial input that first couple of years. So um, each year the fence moved a little bit was this field and then it was down where the high tunnel is and then we added the field beyond that and then we added the field there's another field around the corner you can't see from here it's a certified organic farm i believe in certified organic i arduously believe in certified organic i believe as a producer it's my guarantee to my customers and i believe as a consumer it's others guarantees to me that things are being done in a conscientious and proper way uh, we might not agree with every rule with every every uh, statute as far as organics goes but they're the best we have right now and i think they're good ones
I, I firmly believe in diversity. I think it's super important. Um, we grow so, we do grow over 500 crop varieties, but that's just varieties. But crop, families and types, if, if it can be grown here, we do grow it. We grow a lot of it with an uh, added uh, protection. For instance, the hoop houses, the high tunnel, we use IRT, we use Remain. And we use overhead irrigation. That's a good frost protection method too. And it, overhead irrigation, I'll go into it more later on the tour, but it does three different ways of, of protecting from frost because it, the water itself is warmer. It forms an igloo which protects it. And the chemical process of going from water to ice creates heat. So it creates a little layer of heat under the ice on the plant. So it actually works pretty well on some of the larger crops that we can't cover. No. My kids who would like to have me like get to know my grandchildren a little bit <laughs> are always hollering at me, cut back, cut back, do, do less things, you know, both in what you grow and in how you market. We have a very diversified marketing approach also because we do wholesale and retail and farmer's market and CSA and contract for seed and, you know, the, and we run a greenhouse in the spring. You know, it's very challenging during spring season when I'm hauling bedding plants to farmer's market to sell to also be in the field planting, you know, and, and it's like which is going to pull the strongest. So, um, and, and also because of that, we, you know, we grow all our own starts. So we start in January. <laughs> no. The diversity, because it is our insurance too, you know, um, but it, sometimes it, it fires its ugly head and kicks you, you know, but... Um, it's a lot to keep track of. There's a, there's a lot of paperwork involved with being certified, but I would be doing most of that paperwork anyways. I might not be filling out the certification forms. I'd be keeping the same field records, the same, the same financial records, the same um, you know, uh, seed inventory records, planting records, all of that. I have four notebooks in the house, and you know, one is seed starting for in the greenhouse. And then what I'm bringing with us, my purple book is, I always carry that around with me. That's our field maps. So if you ask me, wow, look at this broccoli next to that broccoli, how come this one looks so different? I can look at my map and I can tell, because that's a bay meadow. And that's a new one this year and it seems to do better in the heat. You know, I, and, and I want to know that, you know. And then I also look back at um, the different varieties that we do for bedding plants for the, for the home gardener. And that's really important too. Um, we do different varieties sometimes for the home gardener than we do for ourselves. For instance, again, back to broccoli, which is a real popular plant. Um, we grow a broccoli variety that doesn't make a giant side shoot. It's an it's a open pollinated heirloom Italian variety called De Chico. It makes us a nice main head, but not a giant main head. But it makes side shoots until November, and a home gardener isn't going to be planting a whole bunch of broccoli over every couple of weeks. They're going to be just joyous to go out there and harvest from their original plants until Thanksgiving. So those are, you know, plants have different attributes and they have different uses depending upon where you're going to be uh, marketing them or using Every year it changes because so, you know, so many things affect a crop rotation. I, I, I definitely don't do um, three years of the same family. You know, basically a minimum of that, and sometimes or three crops of the same family, because sometimes like the hoop houses in high tunnel are, are mostly concentrated on Solanacea family. So we also run a rotation in there of um, cucurbita and basil and um, early greens and late greens. So it's so we usually get um, a three crop rotation in two years in our inside um, growing areas. Mostly for that is 
pest, disease, fertility, um, weed control also. For instance, the hoop houses, we have, we have three hoop houses, and the three hoop houses, one moves each year. But we do still have quack grasses is one of our perennial weeds that can be an issue. So by moving it, then that makes it able to cultivate where the um, edges are. You know, and I found that to be a problem if I were to do another high tunnel. And I did the high tunnel before I wanted a high tunnel. But the NRCS here asked me to poster child the uh, organic equipped grant, so I did. But I would put it on wheels so that it could be moved for, um, for, for because we also spread manure. And so it makes you able to get in and do that also. See, I'm not sure if you're seeing some of it from here or not. You are. I see the white flowers down there. That's mm -hmm. buckwheat. There's a lot more buckwheat out in the other field. We enter, and there's Phasalia. Um, we've got buckwheat going as a nurse crop in with um, some clover in some areas that um, we normally don't tractor up, but that we had to disturb to run some irrigation lines. It's interplanted in between rows of winter squash. Um, weed control, soil fertility, and um, uh, you know, in, in our winter squash, because they start so small, but they need so much space in the end, I always plant in between the rows of squashes because this, we get a tractor with in between, so it's a good space to put. And you'll see that down there, and it's just beautiful. And the Pisalia then brings in a lot of beneficial um, pollinizers, but um, which we really don't. We have so much flowering here at all times that I don't have a problem with pollination. You know, I've never, very rarely do we have a, a kernel of corn that doesn't develop. See, as we walk around that I do have a problem when my interns don't always um, do it the way I ask. We do have problems with weeds in our cover crop if they're not well cultivated a few days before the cover crops are seeded. Yes, in the fall we plant um, Austrian winter pea and rye, sometimes separately and sometimes combined and depending upon wh how soon and we try and get the um, I try and have a game plan for next year's planting before then, so I know what I want to plant where because I need to know when it needs to be cut down or dissed in so by what's going to be planted there. But then that changes every spring anyways because it depends if it's a wet spring and if it's a low spot or a high spot. It's Every day is remapping. It's like the best thing about getting the last thing planted is they don't have to be planting anymore for at least a month. Is that the month. sole source of your fertility? No, it's not the sole source. We haul in manure. We do not, I haul in composted manure, but it is manure. You know, we sheet compost out here. We don't haul our debris out by any means. And in the fall, I actually bring a uh, deck mower in, and I mow the large stuff to chop it up, and then it actually breaks down really nicely by spring. But um, but um, when we're, like, doing tidying up and cleaning and washing and stuff, all the compost from that kind of stuff goes to a compost pile outside the gate because I took this field away from the deer. And so it's like... I, I think that we don't have enough research. We, we don't have enough knowledge on what cover cropping is supplying as far as what fertility goes. Um, that, uh, you know, I'm always experimenting with no knowledge behind it is kind of how I feel. Um, there's some, I'm not being, I shouldn't say no, but insufficient. We can always use more. I want you to look over there. Look at that cut. See that gray tan sand? That's my field. There's three, we call it top sand and sub sand. We were going to name this farm Woolly Mammoth Beach Farm, but it wouldn't fit in the little boxes on all the farms, right? So, but if you, when we walk around, if you look at my soil, you're going to see a totally different story. I've spent 20 years building soil, you know, 20 years of hauling manure, planting cover crops, mowing and disking in my, my uh, debris, 
rotating my crops, really working it. And, and I pretty much try and have it covered. You know, we put a garlic in, and then we try and get the peas and the rye in pretty much everywhere. Some years, this year, the peas did terrible. Um, my crew even did an experiment last fall, and they planted some of our uh, snap peas in the fall. They thought, well, if the winter peas can come up with the fall plant, why can't the snap peas? Well, it didn't work, but the winter peas didn't come up. Either. No, there's no livestock here. I don't have, I don't have no enough time. land. No, the, I let the interns have chicken when they, chickens when they want chickens. I actually had a couple of them take down the chicken fence yesterday because it was ugly and I didn't want it anymore. Sometimes we have bees around the corner, but there's so much bees here anyways that I don't need them. It was just because it's, it's a learning experience, but um, uh, no, there's just not enough land, no, not enough land here. Hard, right? So this, I built this house, um, uh, first year I was here, second year I was here. So this has been here 19 years. And um, it's one thing I really got the way I wanted it. It's got great cross ventilation because it goes east-west and our weather comes from the west, so our wind comes from the west. It's got a north side earth berm, which moderates the temperature in here. I use very little heat in here and we start in here early in the spring. But the, um, that concrete wall on the north side has earth along the back of it. It's wonderful. It moderates it when it's hot, it cools it, and when it's cold, it warms it. We could grow in here very easily year-round, although I choose not to. I like it to freeze out for insect control purposes. Um, but you'll see that there's things in the ground in here. There's tomatoes, peppers, basils, and things. So this is our late season crop. This was only planted maybe five weeks ago in the ground here. So we get our late season crop this way. The other thing I like about it is we have a passive system here for cooling it. These rock poles hanging down lift up and I can open a, a ridge vent very easily if I can reach it just by pushing up. And it's really nice, it latches at both ends. And so this was something I was advised totally not to do. And we did it anyways. But most of the, most of the research and advice comes from California. And it probably is that there they feel it's too moldy. But I love this house. And it's been everything um, that it should be as far as um, staying moderate. There's a tree on the southwest corner that I was going to take down. And we just decided at the last minute to leave the tree there and it cools it in the afternoon when it's so hot outside it's cooler in the greenhouse when it's 100 outside in the middle of the afternoon so it's just um it's a nice place to be aside from being productive i'm drier i don't get the snow cover in the winter that i used to get that's a huge issue early yeah. spring lower kind of colder warmer springs are colder i think a little cooler and wetter in the well I just know that in the winter I don't have the snow that I had, and so we don't necessarily have the cover to um, to have our perennials winter over. And I don't. And this, you know, in the fall we're getting really cold before we get enough snow cover. In the spring we get flooding, you know. Um, no discernible change over time. No, um, I'm seeing more fire. Fire season used to come less frequently. Now it comes more frequently. And um, definitely the winters aren't just cold overall, and there's not as much snow in the winter. And that's mm -hmm. disturbing to me because that, to me, I'm here because I like it. <laughs> the, the high tunnel? Uh, the high tunnel's good. Um, it definitely extends our season. The high tunnel gets us um, an early, uh, gets us an early um, 
greens crop out there, which is really nice to have because now every little farmer has a high tunnel. Uh, we haven't done anything in the woods, but we have done some, um, just some little extras as part of the cover crop. As part of the high tunnel grant, they threw in some stuff where we were doing perimeter plantings and things like that. They like that we do the Fisalia, of course. Yeah. And, um, they, and, and they gave us a little grant for the hand pulling of weeds and things like that. Um, I don't think I would have done the high tunnel. I wasn't seeking it out. They did ask me to do it. And I actually had somebody here that, that year, that um, a friend of mine that was helping me that was more into construction. And it's a project I probably wouldn't have taken on otherwise. I'm dreading recovering it. And it's made a lot of work. It has not been practical in a couple of ways. One is the year that I got it, they said there's no way you can even run a fan in it. We wouldn't write you a grant because we're energy, you know, we're resource conservation. And they changed that tune as soon as I put it up. Or I would have put it somewhere I had electricity because fans are really important to help in the, to, to plant out. Well, the other part of it is I have to plow snow every year around it. Probably this year we did it six times and we didn't have much snow, which means I have to plow all the way down there, which means I'm running a vehicle, I'm tearing up ground, I'm piling snow on my perennials and tearing them up if the blade hits. And then I have to go all around it because there's nowhere for the snow to go when it slides off the roof. And so that's, I didn't even think about it. You know, it's like, well, it's got a four foot knee wall. It should have a six foot knee wall. Um, we start seeds in January. We grow seeds for our own use, for our own plants. And we also market bedding plants. We are too diverse. I think that is probably one of my biggest criticisms of my operation is it is too diverse. We grow over 500 varieties of plants and we market in way too many ways between bedding plants, CSA, farmers markets, wholesale accounts, and seeds. So our, my season goes from January 1st to December 31st, probably to you know, January 1st actually, but anyways, because we're processing seeds also. We have um, a really wonderful new organization called Triple Divide Seeds in Montana. It's a Montana organic seed cooperative. We had a soft debut this year. It was very exciting. It's very fun. Um, having been doing this for 38 years, I was 18 years somewhere else before I was here. Um, it's nice to be stimulated with a new project, and I'm really excited about the seed project. This coming season, the seeds will be available um, both catalog and online. But at this point, um, we've only been taking like little racks to farmers market and stuff. There's a lot to be learned there. There's a wonderful organization called the Organic Seed Alliance. And uh, they're very, very supportive of our Triple Divide Sea Co-op. We're in a pretty challenging climate here, which is something else we'll see is how we extend the season when we walk around. We're in a, you know, and it's important to have the right seeds for your microclimate. You can buy a Scarlet Nantes carrot seed from Albion, Maine, or from Washington State or from Peaceful Valley in California or from Southern Seed Savers Exchange and they might be grown by the same grower somewhere in Washington or Iowa and that's not necessarily appropriate for our climate. So our goal with Triple Divide is of course to provide to grow all the seeds we need for our climate right here. Farming is an experiment every day every day. It's important to be out there observing and seeing. You can find other episodes of ATRA, Voices from the Field, along with ATRA's other sustainable agriculture resources at www.
www.attra.ncat.org. That's www.attra.ncat.org.